Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high-rise in glamorous Hollywood adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of one of LA's leading cement factories, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, one of the elite name brand frontmen in rock, the lead singer of Poison, currently making plans to embark on the stadium tour of the summer alongside Def Leppard and Motley Crue, as well as a celebrated humanitarian. Hello and welcome. Brett Michaels. Thank you very much for having me on. And that may be one of the best intros ever. A sense of humor yet meets awesomeness meets the cement factory. We got the cement factory. We got information. I want to add this. Yeah, please. Getting into the building. Mm. Uh, we were having a good laugh with some of my friends here. I rock and rolled it. In, when I say old school rock star moves, up over the curve. I'm not making this up. Every road is closed. Mm-hmm. And it was like they built an obstacle course. You were literally living in a game. And I said, no. And then the road coming in to get into here is closed. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredibly awesome experience. Because look at this unbelievable building this is the payoff but when you come up it's like if grand theft auto was construction instead of crime absolutely yeah and there's probably a reason why they didn't make maybe we're making a game here maybe i'm I'm not throwing it out there we can build on this so i wasn't joking humanitarian philanthropist these are words we throw around you are being celebrated as a humanitarian at the the hollywood christmas parade absolutely and and thank you very much for saying that and i i I was really on honestly really super honored to get this i've been relentless about uh giving back in my career since it started right and i think for me i think it 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 got noticed but as you're going along you're doing every single city you play in i leave something great behind with a charitable organization there and with the life rocks foundation it's a dollar in dollar out 501c3 so what i mean by that is no administration fee um, there's no costs. Everything that we raise and I match goes right, right back uh, to whatever the organization is in that city. And they, it's transparent. So they, they looked at this. They went through everything. Technically, there was a lot of other people up for it. And I think when they noticed that I'm the real deal and what I mean by that is I go out of my way as a diabetic started with, you know, uh, Life Rock started with diabetes and sending kids to diabetic camp. Yeah. I remember I, you talking about that years ago. I mean, talking to Rip Magazine about I shouldn't be drinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and not saying that I haven't partied and have a great no, time. I don't know. It was you yeah, shouldn't be dot, 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 but I am. I, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> and it's it's funny that you mention that because that's that's exactly what it is. It started with being diabetic causes. Then, then I come from a family of all veterans. So we started doing veterans, uh, just taking care of them. Again, I, I don't talk politics. So what I meant by that is... It, with with all politics aside, just taking care of the men and women that serve this country and their families takes such amazing care of us. And we built tons of homes for them. Um, we've given them mortgage-free homes. And then it went from there. And all of a sudden, my next big one was St. Jude's, Pet Causes, the Shriners. And it not only is it feel good, but it's absol- absolutely the right thing to do. 
And not only to raise money, but it's about the awareness of it as well. Getting other people involved. It's it's amazing. And, and it feels, honest to God, feels incredible. I bet it does. I bet it does. It does. That's like uh, you can. There's a lot of boxes you can check. Having money feels good, and 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 uh, spending money feels good. And I'm sure being in front of twenty thousand screaming fans or sixty thousand yeah. this summer feels great. But doing good things feels good too. It is the ultimate win-win. And I don't know. I, I know what you're saying. I don't know how taking care of veterans ever became a political issue. If it did. At some if point. If there's one bipartisan thing we can all agree on, my my goodness. That's right. the one. I agree with you a hundred million percent. And I'll, I'll I'll start with this. Don't I don't ever want people to misunderstand me. And I say this. I I love to rock. Uh, I I love being a father. I love to go out and party, have a great time. I like being a great host. In other words, you come to my house or my mm-hmm. bus or the party. My bus parties are notorious because I want people to have an amazing time. I want to host. They come up on that bus. I got the music cranking. I want to make sure they get a drink. I'm one of those guys that would say this, I am grateful, I have gratitude and a very positive attitude. I'm beyond thankful for the fans. I'm not one of those guys that that ever, you'll ever hear me complain. I feel blessed to be able to do what I do. And talking about the politics, I say this, there should never be any politics involved ever in thanking our men and women uh, for the service and the freedoms we get. And that, that freedom, I mean, is your freedom of opinion. Yeah. They they fight for the freedom of opinion regardless of what our opinions are. Mm-hmm. Even and, the ones that, that they even the ones that they might not personally like. That's an incredible thing. Can you imagine uh, going and putting your life on the line so somebody can do or think something that you wish they wouldn't do or think? Absolutely, it's, it's and that happens to them a lot. Of you course, know. of course. Yep. Yeah, probably about fifty percent of the of the country. But be that as it as it may, I wanted to talk to you about what a gracious host you are. Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray is a frequent guest on this show, and he's love Mark. A, he's a lovely guy very warm lights up the room and he i know he makes an effort to do that and he tells me that everywhere he goes people tell him man you are the most outgoing friendly rock star we have ever met except brett michaels (laughs) (laughs) i am honored but i'll tell you he would be tough competition because mark we have done a lot of stuff together one of them was a big diabetes fundraiser in omaha Mm mm-hmm Everybody loved him. In the middle of my set, I'm doing this the Brett Michaels solo thing. The place is this big arena place. Place is sold out. All of a sudden, I said, here comes Mark. He's coming up to sing Place Went Crazy. Mm-hmm. And we did three or four of his hits, and I just play congos. He goes, you going to sing? He said, no, no. This is your show. I stepped back with the band. We're playing congos. But the, I, I thank you, and I mean this sincerely, and I'm truly giving full credit to my mom and dad my that that is what they were like they told me not just about it's not just about respecting people be be kind to people treat them great and 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 let that come from your heart and so thank you thank you and mark for saying that and when you put it out there that's what comes back to you and like you said there's people and what a shame who've achieved things that most people only dream of who find some way to be unhappy in the success that they have and it's like you did the hard part the hard part was selling the 10 million albums or getting the TV show or whatever it is. Just like, just flip whatever switch in your brain and enjoy it and, and share the wealth. So I'm so glad that you have that figured out. Thank you for saying that. And if you don't mind, you mind if we dive into that a minute? I Absolutely. get asked that a lot. This okay. is this is a perspective, and let me word this correctly for mm-hmm. the listeners, in my opinion. You know, it's not like I'm going, this is the truth. It's my opinion. What happens to a lot of artists, and I'm saying artists of all genres, music and and acting, and artists that are going to paint, whatever happens. 
we all come with this dream, right? And we all know that that dream, you, you in order to achieve it, to be successful, you have got to take a hell of a beating, not physically. It's a beating of your soul. It's a beating of your ego. It's a, you know, in other words, you go to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And what happens to a lot of people, and I say this, they fight so hard. I mean, I remember moving a pool table, not once, a million times out of the corner of Dutch's Bar and Grill, or literally like three patrons moving the pool table over so we could do five sets a night. And all of a sudden, as you start to go and go, a lot of the bands around Poison, a lot of them got signed and Poison was never signed. How weird is this? I never allowed it to make me bitter. And that's what happens to people. Or they have success, then the success dips a little. With me, this would be my, in my opinion, how to make that great. Be its gratitude, right? And if you can get rid of bitterness, that bitterness that you hold, you're walking in and your agent who loves you is now not booking you as much. Or this happens over here. Or you're not the hottest song on radio. You're dipping down. I built my career from the ground up. Anytime I built my house from the ground up. So anytime it takes a dip or goes up or down, I always knew that was part of my life. And and it's like, again, segueing, being a diabetic, highs and lows in my blood sugar are my everyday life. And I've learned how to navigate that because what I give advice to anybody out there, don't work so hard at what you want to do for your dream, your passion. Please don't do that and then end up becoming bitter. Because it, you, all the money in the world's not going to fix that. All no. the cars, and that's what I said for me: good, bad, or indifferent. I just stick to my guns. I, I feel blessed what I get to do, and I get to go out and rock and meet great people. I've never locked myself in a hotel room. Anyone that knows me knows I'm out on my dirt bike, mountain bike, out at the arenas, amphitheaters, meeting everybody and hanging out, having a great time. I love meeting people as much as we physically can yeah. you know as no, much I've as se- time I've will seen, allow i've seen you in action i i believe you I, i've said this about you behind your back so i'm, thank I'm you. not saying <laughs> thank you appreciate. and that and that i meant to make this just to, to everyone out there it's tough um and people go through things in their career that are tough and when i say it beats you up it's not physically beat up it's your soul and you just have to be able to realize how to navigate that and and just be passionate about what you do go back to the guitar the piano whatever it is you started sports whatever it is and just keep kicking ass at it and and just don't allow it to make you bitter agreed agreed now you've mentioned there's been ups and downs in your career as there have been in everybody's if i told you somewhere in the mid 90s that you'd be playing stadiums across america in 2020 right what would you put on the odds of that being a prediction that would come true are you ready for this yeah in the mid-90s, back in the 80s when Poison hit, mid-90s when the atmosphere changed, uh, and then back again with Poison, we've been blessed. We always stuck to our guns. We um, we always ended up staying in arenas and amphitheaters, which was a blessing. But what happened for me, thinking then, that would always be the dream. So you always got this goal to go out and be able to play the stadiums would be incredible. And to be on a stadium tour with three of my favorite bands. You're talking Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Joan Jett, and Poison out there rocking with them. Joan Jett's on this too? Joan Jett. Oh, she's... Joan Jett is official. I oh, When man. I say I put this karma out, you have to hear this. Mm-hmm. Every night I'd be on stage and I'm like, okay, I can't say this is a truth. In my opinion, wouldn't it be awesome if Motley pulled it back together, mm-hmm. put differences aside, Def Leppard, who I've been on tour with a thousand times, love them. 
Def Leppard, Motley, and Joan Jett out there together in a stadium. That I, I've been putting this out there and putting it out there, and eventually uh, you kind of wish it into the atmosphere. Have you spent much time around her? Around Joan? Yeah. She's been on several dates with us, uh-huh. but every time I've ever been around her, she was incredible. She is the coolest. Some people were just put, and I don't want to take anything away from the work and whatever that she's put in. No, do it. Some people were just put on this planet to just stick a guitar in my hand. And yes. you think about the obstacles that she was up against being, you know, a female, not a singer, a, a rocker, a borderline punk person in the 70s and all the shit with the runaways. Yep. It was just always going to work out for her because she's she's a rock star if she's just a lady walking down the street. She's she so is, cool. Joan is a rock star and her personality, when meeting her, she was so engaged, mm-hmm. like engaged in the moment. That's another thing I want to say for musicians. Stay engaged. Don't let me segue a minute here. You keep segueing wherever you like. Brett. Stay engaged. I tell artists, don't start thinking that you're going to turn everything over to this or not that management's bad or agents are bad. That's what they're there to do. They're incredible. But you have to also stay in charge of your ship. Stay engaged because you set out to, this is your passion and your dream. They can only help you if you're engaged in what you want to be. But Joan, segueing back to Joan, engaged. She is meant, she's a rock star then and now. And I swear to God, she is timeless and ageless. Oh, yeah. She's Joan Jett. From the Runaways to Joan Jett now. I saw her in a leather cat suit five years ago. It's all still there, man. I love it's it. It's still working. She's still working it. Yeah. It's great. I love it. So you mentioned the crew put their differences back together. Now, maybe I'm naive. I didn't get to go to the final Motley Cruise shows, but I went. I sought out the video. I saw them performing Home Sweet Home. I thought for the last time I could see right. Vince struggling emotionally to get through it. I thought that really was the end of Motley Crue. Right. Did you believe that at the time? I, I got to say, I truly believed it was the end at that moment for this reason. Because things in the music business, uh, just like anything in any relationship, we have knee-jerk reactions. And what I think with Motley is they were really, uh, truly, and even here, uh, Vince said, we were just all sick of each other. Nikki mm-hmm. said we were just, we had toured, we've been together for, what, 40 years? And we were sick of each other. We we couldn't look at each other and work it out. And But to be honest with you, time heals most wounds. Not all, mm-hmm. but most wounds. I think they got apart. And I think my uh, constant throwing out the karma of uh-huh. just pull it back together, even if it's one last tour. But they, they pulled it back together, put their differences aside. And I think they're going to do an incredible show. And the mixture of Def Leppard and Motley Poison, Joan Jett, that is a, this is a historical stadium tour. It's historical. Who's going to headline? It definitely. I think it's going to be uh, a toss up between Def Leppard and Motley for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then ourselves. There's no wrong Jim. answer. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. I love you. you just help me. But <laughs> but all of us are going to give. Here's the thing. We're all really friendly. We're all hanging out. But we're all competitive. We all want to go out there and give the fans a thousand percent. And the music has withstood the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the that's the secret right there. So you mentioned, you know, band members getting sick of each other. If I told you at a certain point in the past that you'd be doing a stadium tour in 2020 and CeCe DeVille would be on stage with you, what would you have said to that? Let me say this. Right. CeCe DeVille and me are not only best friends, but when it goes south, and I'll explain why, CeCe and me, no one's ever made me laugh in my life harder than CeCe DeVille. Nobody. Laugh, great times, parties, and when it goes bad, 
we are still raw. We are still fistfight guys. Like it's knockdown, drag out, tooth out. I mean, we've knocked each other's teeth out. This is no. When's I the mean, last time you bro- punched him or vice versa? That would have been New Orleans a few years back, oh, and that wow. was the still next day. It. We uh, we then we continued to fistfight from the hotel <laughs> into the elevator into the lobby, out to the bus, continued to... Then he got back up on my bus. We started fighting again, and somehow he ended up dropped off at a swamp waiting for his bus to pick him up. I'm not... I wish I was making this up, but me and Bobby have gone at it. Bobby and Ricky have gone at it. Me and Ricky have gone at it. It, It's... And it's real... Like, we're not thinking this is going to make a movie. We're really... Sometimes me and Bobby... uh, Bobby, our bass player's biggest fight was awesome because it was about what songs to put into the set. It wasn't like we were fighting over what kind mm-hmm. of water we're drinking, mm-hmm. who got the most uh, booze backstage. It wasn't diva fights. These were fights about, I want this song in the set. I want to put this song. We're going to play it this way. We still love what we get to do. And Cece and Mia beat the hell out of each other. But that same energy that goes that direction, when it comes together, mm-hmm. when our energy comes together on that stage it's unbeatable yeah he's such an underrated guitar player there's just that you, you i'm thinking i was thinking this morning of the solo in in something to believe in yes because a lot of the songs they're big and they're over the top and so here comes cc doing his little cc bag of tricks and i don't say that in a bad way i love I get it. He, I he, get he, it he did the solo on cherry pie right for warrant and nobody and those guys are both great at doing warrant solos but right. for them to do their biggest most over the top arena or anything cc was the guy to just do the the the, the fireworks show and then you take something like something to believe in which might call for maybe like a richie Kotzen to do something a little bit yeah. more subdued but he married what that song was and what that song required with something that only he could have done you, i always love a good cc solo uh, first of all thank you for recognizing that and saying it cc deville is an incredible incredible guitar player as ricky's an incredible drummer and bobby an incredible bass player here's the thing when you're writing a good song is learning how to not only marry the lyrics to the right music you have to have the right lyrics and the right music but also that guitar solo especially in rock songs that guitar riff and nothing but a good time is incredible the solo and something to believe in in every rose is really really tasteful and fit the song yeah in other words he could have went in there and just wailed it would have completely missed cc was soulful he played great and and i think that being able to again when you're songwriters it all comes down to a song that withstands the test of time and you hope that these songs you think about the gamut with poison talk dirty to me unskinny bop i want action then all of a sudden you've got every rose has its thorn i won't forget you something to believe in then you get big rock anthems like nothing but a good time and fallen angel and being able to have that gamut live is an incredible feeling and and then our fans have been incredibly open-minded three generations of them because i'll take my harmonic out and play harmonica in the middle of the songs we'll do stuff and they've let us also musically grow and do stuff that we love to do so it's the best of both worlds but this is the one thing about our band i really want you to study how much we move around on that stage Uh running from end to end i watched tc fall on the ground backwards upside down and still not miss a note and I think that if people just recognize that we're up there passionately given a thousand percent and yet keeping the song real and live. And when I say that, I'm only speaking for Poison. Our music is one thousand percent live. There's no in-ears. There's no there's no 
Pro Tools. There's no not. I mean, our uh-huh. songs are a thousand percent live music, and we hope that people recognize that that you're live without a net. You know, you know what you got to do. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You got to start working in local references in the middle of verses because that's the one thing that the bands that are using canned vocals can't possibly do. Absolutely, nobody's going to go up there and call out the bands, and we all kind of sort of know who they are. But there's things that you could do that the canned vocal bands can never do. And I would be using every opportunity to be like, "This is live right now." Hey, what's up? What's up, uh, July eighth? How you doing? <laughs> you know what I do? I and every night, just know this. I've every night I can't help myself because I am a very spontaneous lead singer i there's no marks there's no places we need to stand ever i'm like man this indianapolis you kick ass. i i'm in the middle of the song and i think that people recognize that yeah. but you know what the truth of the matter is on this stadium tour we're lucky because all these bands are kicking butt they're live music they're playing they're having a great time i think it's going to be an incredible t- uh, just again rounding it all out poison's going to bring a thousand percent and i don't want to speak for def leppard or motley or joan but they are they they are awesome they are incredible audio visual rock and roll experiences oh yeah i mean any one of those is obviously worth the price of admission all all by itself i'm very yep. excited about about this tour i want to talk to you a little bit about the history of the band the early days i'm, I'm wearing a dogs to more t-shirt i, I go, saw it i go pretty I deep it. on this stuff. i was going to talk the, de- to the decal's coming off i think this is the last wear i got in it and i reserved it's it for you yeah down. Yeah, this Did you get that done opera. eventually at the Jersey Shore? Because that's where I get my peel. When I get my <laughs> shirt, say, half of my Bob Marley, I was like, yeah. hey, this thing peeled off. What the hell happened to it? Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I've, had, I've, had, yeah. I've had plenty of Wildwood, those. I'm always on the boardwalk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got some <laughs> uh, some Genesis t-shirts in Seaside in the late 80s. You that could did, have Seaside. That did not, that did not <laughs> age well. So what was happening... Uh, Poison at that point. Paris comes to L.A. When did you get out here? Like 84, 85? We got out here. Um, we left. We we were playing every single venue and club that we could play um, on the East Coast, Poison was. And what we would do, much to the bar owner's dismay, is they do not ever want to hear a band play an original song. That's right. Because in protecting the bar owner they want to hire you to play five sets of covers they want you to keep everyone eating peanuts drinking beer dancing and and that's what they want right i i that's their gig i get it i understood it but we always told people we are going to do one part of our set is going to be nothing but originals because there is already the greatest steven tyler there can be there's already the best Robert Plant there can be. Uh, there's the, you know, and so for me, it, it, I wanted to be the best Brett Michaels and Poison could be, but still pay homage to those great artists. And so we finally packed up in March, uh, right around my birthday, March 15th of 1984, drove a broken down van, uh, ambulance, um, a Chevette with one window missing and a uh, and a green pickup truck. We loaded it with everything we had, sold everything we owned. And when I say this with poison, we dedicated our life to it was sink or swim. There was no, we wanted no fallback plan, no second chance. This was it. Go out there, give everything you got. And we came out here and lived behind a dry cleaner on sleeping bags in the floor for three years. Who are the bands at that point? You know, obviously there's Rat, there's Motley Crue, the the Sunset Strip thing is taking off. Who are the bands that are drawing you out here at that point for us obviously um that you know you've got motley crew breaking big you've got rat breaking big you have bands like black and blue rough cut Mm -hmm. all these different bands were playing and that 
Sunset Strip was an amazing part of our life. But I got to let people know this one story. When I say Poison was dedicated, you've got to pay your dues and put your work in. And we knew that. And so every night we would go, uh, we'd go to Sir Speedy to make flyers. And because we had no money, they said, look, you can't have yellow. You can't have white. They had all these colors that were way expensive. They said, we have about 12, literally 12 skids of green, fluorescent green paper. You can have all of it for next to nothing. And we made all of our poison flyers, and it's now a merchandise color poison green that you see on a lot of shirts sure, like that's the Metallica the logo. or the yeah. poison. Right. It's there's literally a color because anyone how weird is this? It was a blessing. Anyone that went by a telephone pole literally saw poison green and knew we were playing. And when you came to a poison show, it was a party. We were one of the few rock bands that had 50% male and 50% female. It was an absolute throw out, throw down shindig party. What? How much do you still listen to hair metal? All the time. What, what's Look, your What's your stuff? Well, for me, again, again, saying this, you know, I'm a fan of Motley. I'm a fan of Rat. You know, but there's a, so many great bands. You know, again, Warrant. And you think of, again, Danger, Danger, Dangerous Toys. Yep. You know, there's so many great bands with great songs the bullet boys the Mm -hmm. you know and again whether they want to be or not listen i never take anything as derogatory this is what we did we came out we played great songs you know regardless of what title you get that music has withstood the test of time and think about this it's one of the most cover band mimicked genres in other words there's a thousand poisoned or poison or poisonous <laughs> and i'm honored you know a lot of bands don't like that i'm honored for every band that's out there doing this because i feel like it is a complete compliment to the to the fun and the timelessness of the music yeah. so i thank them all for yeah. i mean a lot of people you're here oh i don't want anyone imitating our music but i'm i gotta be honest with you cover bands are doing an amazing job i that that's what I did, and just segued into playing original material. Yeah, it's pretty fun. You can still go to some bars at the Jersey Shore and see have a really good time with the cover band. You drink enough, hey, man. I do, and they're great. They'll take I, you higher. I, I get drunk. I go up on the yeah. stage and do the song with them. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. It's great. Uh, so people know that there was a quick dalliance between your band and Slash, uh, the guitar player Slash. I, I I find it interesting. I always feel like a lot of the Guns N' Roses guys have taken pains to say that they were never anywhere close to being in anything that might be considered hair metal. I feel like if you've heard their early demos, it kind of seems like they like that stuff. Do you feel like those guys kind of protest too much about that being a part of their musical DNA? I back well, off bitch is kind of a glam song. Let me say this on on again speaking about Guns N' Roses, amazing. I mean, amazing. They made one of the most amazing records in history. Of course, Appetite for Destruction. You know, again, I'm the, I can't speak for their opinion. Mm-hmm. They were on the strip the same time as Poison. All of us trying to make it. I remember, true story. Um, Axl Rose was down at a place, um, uh, and and playing this really small club, and we had just come out and. They were in a band called Hollywood Rose. Sure. And Andre, a gentleman played for them, was diabetic. So he was helping me as a, as a lifelong diabetic how to find insulin here, how to buy it, places I could go if I got in trouble, you know, in other words, to help me out. And we went down and saw Axel. He was great. Sang same guys he is was then now. And um, 
and he had a very unique voice. And whether or not they like being called that, here's the thing. They made one of the greatest records of the late 80s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether you're 80s metal, whether you're hair nation, hair band, yeah. whatever it is, they made a great album. Um, you know, and again, Slash, Slash, one of the big funks that people need to understand is Slash and I were really good friends. I thought he was an incredible guitar player. He wanted to be in a band with, that had two guitar players. And I also play guitar. So we were like, okay. And he came into audition. I uh, came down to Steve Silva from the Joe Perry Project. Mm-hmm. Slash and CC DeVille, right? Yeah. So Slash came in, coolest guy together, you know, got the cigarette hanging low, the guitar strap low, throws up his amps. We start jamming. He nailed it. Guy was incredible, right? And uh, and then CC came in, uh, hadn't learned any of our songs, said, I've got this song. You know, immediately he was CC DeVille. Unbelievably great guitar player and a character from the word go. But he didn't learn any of our music, and he said, I want to play this song, and he started playing something, and we wrote some stuff together, and then Steve Silva came in, who was great. So my vote went for, and, and I'm defending CeCe here, uh, the other two, Ricky and Bobby, were leaning towards CeCe, and I was leaning towards Slash and Steve as maybe two guitar players in our band. Ah. So it may have started an early riff that wasn't meant to be. <laughs> it was just, we're all entitled to our opinion, Yeah, but God... Uh, in spite of myself, I'm I'm now saying this in front of me. In spite of myself, all of us ended up in the right band. Yeah, I think that's. I was outvoted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have uh, taken a long drive, but we had no running car, so I walked around uh, Palm Grove Avenue in downtown LA, <laughs> about twelve circles, uh, and came back in and and uh, and so, um. The, the slash i love you you're great steve love you but we all ended up in the right band slashing guns and roses is incredible steve's incredible and uh and cc deville is he the, the mixture of the chemistry of us and poison made it withstand a test of time he's an incredible guitar player who do you think is the most attractive member of the band on the cover of Look What the Cat? I'm going to go if I have my druthers. Yeah. Uh I'm going to I'm going to go with um you know I, I got to make some amends so I'm going to go with CC. Okay. I'm going to go with CC. Okay. All of them all of them. You looked great. They were swell looking. Yeah, guys. yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, I was I was confused. I was young. I was a child at the time. I, I, th- I, th- I think my first celebrity crush was Olivia Newton John, and my second was Ricky Rocket. Done. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What do you think about that now, looking back? It's so interesting. I I love and these words. I, I'm sorry if they're offensive. They're not to me. I don't take them metal, offensive. I'm glam metal. This. I love. I, I listen to. I listen to glam bands that never got. I listen to demos of bands that never I got got, got record deals. It's just so strange. I was friendly with bands. They weren't. What was it about a bunch of straight dudes that wanted to celebrate who could look like the hottest lady? But there was right. like nothing gay about it at all. Not that there would have been anything wrong with that, but it really what it wasn't what it was about. What the hell were we all into? I could explain it. Oh, it's please. really simple for me. Ours was street glam gypsy. That's how it started out, right? And what happened for us when you're playing a lot of the um, bars? And I've explained this before. When you're playing a lot of bars and clubs. And you're doing cover stuff and you're not getting recognized. You're setting no identity. I've talked about this earlier. We all make great knee jerk reactions to wanting to get out of. I lived in a dry cleaner, 
in a warehouse behind a back half of a dry cleaner. When I got to put a show on, I wanted that show to be over the top. I wanted it to be insane. You're mixing up some of that Alice Cooper with Bowie with whatever it was the look. But then what's crazy about Poison? There was nothing glam about when we hit the stage, we were almost like a we were almost like a heavy metal thrash punk it was the strangest element because some of our early stuff, like Talk Dirty Me, was all K-Rock or KNAC. It was big metal stuff or punk stuff. Yeah. And so when no, we not really this, a glam metal band musically. I agree with you totally. Yeah, it was all of a sudden, or we'd have a, a, like, I Won't Forget You, almost had a little bit of a slight country feel with the sly guitar. And, and so I think going out there, we wanted the look to be over the top. We wanted to get recognized. Obviously, don't let any artist lie to you. They want to get recognized. They they want their art to be recognized, their music, whatever it is. And then going out and throwing those parties, that energy and that party, all of a sudden it all kind of came together and it rocked. And I, and I think for us, I can't talk for the other bands, but for us, I think the fact that people saw us, and especially a guy like me that was an ACDC, Leonard Skinner, Zeppelin guy, it, they really saw that this this was the real deal. I have to let you go. There's two quick things I wanted to touch on. I never understood why you gave Rugged Pit Bridge to Tough. I think that's a top poison song. I, I, you know what? I wrote it with them. I wrote it with some friends of mine. Yeah. And they did an amazing job of it, actually. They did. It's great. Stevie and them did an amazing job of it. And uh, I love that you have a song with your daughter. Thank you. I have kids, and I would love to do the same thing someday. It's so rad that's out there. Everybody should check out a song called Unbroken that you recorded with your daughter. I love it. I ask everyone, check out the video to Unbroken. I wrote this with my youngest daughter, Georgia Blue. She goes to a school for music and arts, and music is therapeutic to us, whether it's good time music or your heart's breaking, and she was going through a tough time. We wrote this together, and I encourage everyone out there, music, regardless of what you listen to, is a universal language. And it's the only thing, if you think about this, music is the only thing that can fit anyone's mood at any time and any point in their day of what they're going through, there's something that you can do musically that you can listen to that will help you out. Well said. Uh, I could talk to you all day. Thank you for the time. We're going to do this again. Okay, let's do this. So you're getting a humanitarian award when you perform with the Brett Michaels Band at the Hollywood Christmas Parade that's on the CW Network. Uh, check local listings and also the tour with the crew, Def Leppard, Joan Jett. Get VIP tickets for meet and greets and such at poisonofficial.com slash VIP. Thank you, Brett Michaels. Hey, thank you for having me on. This was awesome, and we're just getting started. <laughs> Welcome back. Wow. Brett Michaels on the Tully Show. This little podunk show. If 12-year-old me could have known that one day I would be speaking to the lead singer of Poison, I I don't know exactly where a 45 of the Poison song Talk Dirty to Me sits in um, the order of the first 45 records that I ever owned. I regret to admit that I think Hurt So Good from John Cougar Mellencamp may have entered my collection ahead of Poison, but I'd already started to write the ship, obviously, by the time I got that one. Man, I was, I've been waiting to talk to that guy for a long time. I, it goes without saying, I'm stupid into into all that stuff. I feel weird when I say hair metal to those guys and then they they start to do the defensive, like, well, people are going to call it where they're going to call it. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I keep forgetting that's the dirty phrase to you guys, the hair thing. I, it's obviously not the way that, uh, that I mean it. I would have the long hair if jeans would have cooperated. But God, I was so into that stuff. I remember 
I wrote a letter to Mick Mars, the guitar player of Guns N' Roses, inviting him to come stay at my parents' house when the crew came to town next time. I was like, you must be so tired of sleeping on that bus. You can come bunk with me. God, what a disgusting, weird little goody-goody I was. But uh, yeah, man, Brett Michaels. I, I never, ever thought I would have the opportunity to ask him about such classic songs, beloved to, I'm sure, every single one of you, as Rucka Pit Bridge from Tough. Remember I mentioned that to him at the end? I'm going to play you a little bit of that because I'm sure you've absolutely been dying to uh, to hear this. Check this shit out. Rock and roll, baby. Yeah, man. It's crazy. The guy, Stevie, the lead singer, Stevie Ray Shell of Tough, looked exactly like Brett Michaels. Did he have a big headband across his bleach blonde hair? You bet he did. Did he sound like Brett Michaels? Quite a bit, I think. Uh, I, I really like that song. I just put the 5,563rd view on that classic on YouTube. So... I had to give Brett up a little bit sooner than I expected to. I have a little bit of extra time to hang out with you one-on-one. And I feel like our one-on-one chats, me and you, the listener, have been going pretty okay. So I, I wanted to talk to you about about words. I love words. I just wrote a book. I'm sure everybody knows. JasonEllisBook.com is where you can get your copy of Still Awesome, the book that I made with Jason Ellis. I wrote a book, uh, 73,000 words or so, and... I only misspelled like three of them, so trying to look on the positive side of that. Think of all the tens of thousands of words that I didn't fuck up in a book that I printed several thousand copies of. But I do love words, and I love a turn of phrase, and, you know, occasionally you hear some some saying, and then you, you stop. For, it's so common, you don't consider it, and then you stop for a second, and you go, Wait, why do we say that? So I've been meaning for a while to do a little homework and share my work with you all about the origins of common sayings. This one, you, you, probably I think that I'm revealing this to everybody and everybody's like, yeah, dummy, everybody knows that. But did you know that the origin of the phrase long in the tooth is tied to the origin of the phrase don't look a gift horse in the mouth? I'm sure everybody's like, yeah, dude, but you're going to tell us again. Anyway, aren't you? You bet I am. So it is said, and I have no reason to doubt that it is true, that horses teeth grow longer as they get older or maybe it's that their gums get shorter that might be what it is but in any event the the result is the same and so you become long in the tooth as you get older this is a horse thing here's something you're going to notice about the origins of common phrases lots of animal talk and lots of really dangerous manual labor it's a real snapshot into um how uh, simple and dangerous life was for humankind just a couple hundred years ago. But here's the thing. Horses become long in the tooth as they get older. So if somebody gives you a horse as a gift, you just go, oh man, could always use another one of those. Thank you. You don't right in front of the person, although I don't know who would be rude enough to do this. Like, you know, you get a shitty gift from somebody. You go home and like somebody gives you a bottle of wine. You go, oh my God, this is great. I think I tried this one. I like it. And then later on, you know, you Google it and you go, what are, what are we getting for a bottle like this these days? Oh, well, that person really doesn't like me. So 
the thing is, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You do it. Everybody would do this, obviously, but you don't do it in front of the person who has gifted a horse for you. For some, I, personally, I prefer the bottle of wine, but I guess gift horses were a thing at some point. You don't lift the horse's lip. Although I find it hard to believe that horses will just go along with that and see if it is long in the tooth when it is a gift. Hey, man, free horse. Who cares if it's old? Just say thank you. So uh, I love that those two phrases come from the same place. I am going to make such a sweet old man. I'm just like waiting for my body to decay a little bit more because I, I'm not trying to brag, but people often tell me that I'm 42 years old, that I don't look 42. And it's definitely a weird thing when I go out and do stand up because I have the mind of a 72 year old, but I got this howdy doody looking face. Uh, and I don't know that I'm going to like mature evenly. I don't know that I'm going to go from boyhood to young manhood to like middle-aged face to old man face. I feel like I'm always going to have I'm starting to make my peace with this, the the howdy doody kind of youngish thing, but I I am aging, of course. I'm getting this, especially since the second baby came. I'm getting hollowed out, black, empty circles underneath my eyes, and I feel like I'm starting to instead of starting to look like a a middle aged man, I'm just looking like the the ghost of the three men and a baby boy. But anyway, I'm gonna make a uh, I'm gonna make a great old man because I love words and I love sayings and anybody who will listen to me can find out the uh, the origins of all of them as I probably give them some hard candy as well. Did you know the origin of the phrase "letting the cat out of the bag"? I do think it's kind of cool. These are all things that we say that doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Nobody knows what that means. At some point, when you said that though, that wouldn't be a metaphor. That would be just like. Yes, of course. Let's not let that cat out of the bag for sure, right? Um, Well, actually, in this case, you were supposed to let the cat out of the bag. You see, it has its roots in 18th century street fraud. A couple of these we're going to be doing have to do with, uh, like, Dickensian street crime. In this case, it is said, I have to take the internet at face value for all this shit, suckling pigs, that's like a baby pig, right? They were often sold in bags. And a popular scheme of the day would be to replace that suckling pig with a cat and sell that to somebody. So to let the cat out of the bag would be to reveal the truth of this street meat clandestine transaction. I say if you're eating Victorian bag meat, it barely matters what the actual animal is. But that is, that's the origin of, that's why we say letting the cat out of the bag. This is fascinating, right? We're having fun here. Um, And uh, eating crow is kind of along similar lines. The Bible, I am told, also didn't um, do my homework to check up on that, lists crows as unfit for eating alongside buzzards and rats. It was Because of the biblical prohibition, it was illegal to eat crow in the Middle Ages. I guess the demand was pretty strong. They had to nip that in the bud to save everybody's heavenly soul. So it's supposed to be very humiliating if one has to even if it's not a criminal act where you live, nobody wants to eat crow because the Bible says it sucks. What I say is, well, have we tried? Because the Bible also has some pretty strong things to say about pork, and I kind of like sausage. So can we just give this a quick go? Maybe crows are the other, other white meat. I saw a crow this morning. Uh, My daughter responded very strongly to it. Seeing the world through 
uh, the eyes of a child is really all it's cracked up to be. They they're they're not bright and they're fairly annoying a lot of the time. But every now and again, you get these moments that are really worth it. She speaks in grunts and shrieks, so I don't speak the same language as her, but she communicates a lot with her eyes and her you know guttural noises and such. And we're walking along today, and she sees a crow, and the crow's standing not that far from us. And so as birds are wont to do, as we get closer, the crow takes flight and I can read her little brain like, holy fuck, that thing can fly. Holy shit. Flying is a thing. Oh my God. Flying's amazing. Can I fly? I don't think I can fly. Fuck. And it's pretty amazing when you think about it. There's animals around us everywhere that can just fly. Leave it to a child, the innocence of babes, to uh, reopen our eyes to the simple pleasures of life. Um, pulling's one le- pulling one's leg is, again, rooted in 18th century crime, it is said, by the internet. Street thieves would literally pull victims down by their leg in order to more easily rob them. So you want to pick somebody's pocket, you do a single leg? I don't think I believe this one. I think I'm calling bullshit on the uh, on the internet here. Let's move on because I don't. Oh, okay. I like this one. You know when they say you can't hold a candle to this or to that. This. Oh no, I kind of call bullshit on this too. But it is said that skilled laborers, because you know all these things are from back in the day before electricity. Skilled laborers would do skilled labor. The less skilled, less able among them, probably children, would just stand there and hold a candle for them. So that's what that saying is, is you can't hold a candle means you are not even worthy of illuminating the labor of somebody who actually knows what they're fucking doing. Um, Again, I find this hard to believe. I think they probably, it's the advent, the invention of the candle must be followed pretty quickly by the invention of the candlestick the candle holder but if this was true man can you imagine just a life of standing next to the person who was putting themselves in harm's way and getting coal miner lung well i guess you'd be getting that too but just standing there listening to the abuse of this person and then just going home at the end of the day how was it Eh, it could be worse but my arm is fucking killing me wax burns you know they add up Uh, The Kiss of Death, I guess everybody knows this. Its roots rest in the Italian mafia, where someone who was marked for death received the metaphorical kiss prior to execution. The guy who came up up with that would have been quite the trendsetter. We're going to kill him, but first, come over here. Let me give him a little smooch. White Elephant, that is, uh, oh, that's a gift that people don't want. That's like every Christmas gift that I give. We need to figure out a more formal rule for Christmas gift giving for people among the age of 40 because if you like if if you still need something and you're over 40, I can't afford to give it to you. I don't spend that much on Christmas presents. If you just actually need a novelty mug from Target, like really need it, you probably would have handled that yourself, right? Christmas gift giving for adults is very, very superfluous. But anyway, White Elephant is supposed to be that, um, I think I, I think I actually read this in greater depth recently. Some guy, some sultan somewhere would had this little trick he'd play if there was somebody he was supposed to honor 
but he secretly disliked he would give them an albino elephant because I guess uh, albino elephants are particularly costly and tricky to take care of. So haha, take that. That elephant's your problem. Now, I feel like the equivalent today would just just when people give my children things that I need to make or actually even more than that, when people give my children board games, like if you really dislike somebody, give their child shoots and ladders. Trust me, that will be the anti-gift that keeps on anti-giving. Getting up on a soapbox, that's exactly what you think it is. People used to, I don't know what made, maybe a particularly sturdy box. Soap came in in the late 1800s, but if you had something to say, you would unbox the soap and uh, and uh, then you get up there and start talking. Something is run of the mill is, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's just shit. It's stuck. We make millions of these things. The mill's just churning that shit out all day. Nothing special about that. What I find kind of interesting is we still say that, uh, but there were other related phrases that were just as common back then. Run of the mine was for chunks of coal that had not yet been sorted by size and Run of the kiln for bricks as they came out. Just, this is just a, a a run of the kiln sandwich we're enjoying right now. When you read somebody, the Riot Act, that's, there really was the Riot Act laws in England. I'm starting to gather after all these years, tend to be known as the act that established the law. So if the Riot Act is that it was illegal to riot, what I find interesting about this is apparently when a crowd was judged to have become sufficiently boisterous and dangerous enough that they were not just being an unruly mob, but they were on the verge of actual rioting, it was incumbent upon the local lawman to read them the riot act of, let me remind you that what you were, what you are doing or about to do is illegal and I will arrest you for it if you keep doing it. I don't know what it was about that particular crime that required the recitation of the law before its execution over and over and over again. I don't know if you needed to read somebody the murder act in order to be able to stop them from murdering. For example, don't let me take out my make me take out my piece of paper. Shut you guys down. Oh fuck. We forgot to read them the murder act. Let them go, boys. Let them go. Hands down comes from horse racing. When you're way ahead of everybody else, you can relax your grip on the reins and let your hands down. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm thinking a hair down. Hands down. Oh, you win. Hands down. Mmm. Probably didn't need to include that one. Not entertaining so much as informative. The earliest uses of the whole shebang were during the Civil War. It referred to a hut a shed or a cluster of um of bushes indeed officers wrote home about running the whole shebang which as we all know is one kit and one caboodle put together i've got more of these but i, I think you've got the idea maybe we'll save this part two of the segment for another rainy day thanks folks as always for listening thank you so much to brett michaels for being on this show Brett will be performing with the Brett Michaels Band and receiving that humanitarian award at the Hollywood Christmas Parade on the CW Network this Friday, December 13th. Check local listings. Thanks all. See you next week here on The Tully Show. 